us from that. Well, welcome, everybody. So glad that you're here. It's a delight to be in church together. Um, Jeannie and I, uh, now 40 years ago, went on a youth retreat uh, where we went to Colorado. We actually did two in a row. Uh, and while we were in Colorado, they gave us powdered food and taught us how to uh, prepare our food, taught us how to carry our tents and set them up. And we would work our way up a mountain. And along the way, they taught us how to use ropes. They taught us how to, uh, to belay and to climb and to repel. And that started something for Jeannie and I where we, when we started doing youth ministry, would take the kids every year and go rock climbing. And that group started small, maybe 20, 30 kids, and grew to over 100 kids would be coming and doing uh, the climbs with us. And we would get up early in the morning. I'd take a couple of college kids with me, and we'd take the ropes up to Devil's Lake and on top and set up the climbs and the rappels for that day. One day we'd be on one side of the lake, and the next day we'd be on the other side of the lake. And here's a picture of uh, Katie. Katie's down here now, Katie Lachelle, and uh, she is learning to rappel. And that's me when I had some brown hair. And I would stand there, and, and I would walk kids through, one after the next, or adults, what it means to, to get on a rope and lean back and trust. What's it going to take to trust? So this, uh, um, I'm going to weave this into the sermon, and we'll see how it goes, and, and uh, hopefully, you enjoy, hopefully it's effective uh, to explain. But as Jesus is collecting his disciples and calling his disciples and picking them among sinners, it must have felt just like it did for Katie that day when she, the very first time she leaned out over that cliff. It, you can't see it. It's like a 70-foot drop, 60 or 70-foot drop, and she doesn't look scared right there. Um, she looks happy. Uh, was there fear before we got to that picture? There was uh, some fear coming up to that picture. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but really that leaning back faith is what describes what it took for those disciples to follow Jesus and to step out and leave their nets and to leave their tax collector booth and say, yep, I'm going to trust Jesus. That's what faith looks like. Well, as we look at this passage where, where really Simon Peter is kind of central, Jesus and Simon Peter, there's lots of other people that are mentioned, but they're like not really part of the story. It's just Jesus and Simon as he's calling, he's calling this sinner to become a saint, this sinner to become a follower of Jesus and, and actually a leader with Jesus. And I would, my, my presupposition for this sermon is that Jesus is calling sinners to step out in faith. And if you came tonight with sin in your life and you came in need of a savior, I'm here to tell you that Jesus is calling sinners to step out in faith. So let's begin in chapter five and verse one of Luke. It says, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out, out of them and they were washing their nets. Getting to one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So Jesus is still in Capernaum, and he has already met with Peter and, and met his mother-in-law and done a bunch of healing, and now he's teaching, and the crowds are pressing in on him to hear his message, and it, right in the middle of this, he gets into Peter's boat. And he presses, sets out and he begins to teach from Peter's boat. 
So as we look at this, uh, Jesus is speaking the word of God in verse 1. They recognized it that he was speaking the word of God. And lots of people heard it that day. The crowd was pressing in on him. They wanted to hear what he had to say, but just because they heard did not mean that they got on the rope. In fact, the truth is we know from last week I mentioned it, but we're going to hear that this town rejects Jesus. Right now they like hearing it. They like hearing his voice, but hearing is not the same thing as locking in and getting on the rope. It's not the same thing as faith. And maybe you're wondering, my my Christian walk is not changed dramatically. It's like I'm still struggling with the same sins that I was struggling with 10 years ago. Have you gotten on the rope? Are you just listening? Are Are you not engaged by faith in this relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, Jesus takes the initiative and he gets into Peter's boat. You see, Jesus is calling sinners to join him. I love the the flow of this passage that Jesus moves slowly with Peter, Simon. That was his name before eventually he says, your name is now Peter, the rock. But right now his name is Simon. And he gets into his boat and, and Peter is not, he doesn't complain. There's no comment here. Just picture Peter in this boat. Now, I've got some pictures of what the boats look like. Now, recently... Maybe in the last 50 years, Jeannie and I were in Israel and saw this boat. This is a picture of the boat, a boat that when uh, Sea of Galilee kind of uh, had a drought and it, and, it, and it showed more shore, that this boat was buried in the silt. And they unearthed it and they aged it and found out that it was, the span was before Jesus' birth and after Jesus' death, it's that's the same time. It's just a little bit BC or before 100 AD is the age of this boat. So it tells us what the boats look like. Give me another view from the inside. All right, so that's the inside of the boat. Now, there would have been chairs probably in that boat. There would have been a mast in the middle, but that's very much like what the boats would have looked like that Peter was fishing with. And there's a couple of boats on shore, and Jesus steps into one of them, and he can sit down, and Peter is just getting a front row seat to what Jesus is doing. Jesus has just now invited him to sit so close that he can see Jesus' facial expressions. And then he pushes out onto the water. And if you've ever been in a boat and you've ever, or maybe you've been on shore and heard people talking in a boat, you can hear every word they say. You ever, you ever, I mean, my kids, when we were out water skiing when I was in high school, you heard everything they were saying in the boat, even though they didn't think you could hear it. Because there is great acoustics across water. So this crowd is now standing there and Jesus is using the water for the acoustics so that everybody can hear what he has to say. But Peter is just there along for the ride. And isn't that so much how Jesus brings us into ministry? How he calls us into a service. It begins with, just come along with me. Just join me. Just trust me enough to... Walk through life. I'll lead. You don't have to be amazing here in the beginning. All you got to do is show up. Jesus calls sinners to join him. Verse 3, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Who wouldn't have wanted to be in that boat? I would have loved it. Now, Peter's worked all night long. That's what we're going to learn. He's like tired. But I'll bet you he's loving every minute of this. 
sitting there. He's got a front row seat. Jesus has come to his house already. And now he gets to be the guy who's like rowing and making sure the boat stays steady while Jesus teaches these, this mass of people. Jesus calls sinners to join him and he's still calling sinners to join him. Now, why do I say sinners? Well, because in a moment, Peter's going to declare, I'm too sinful for you. And just a little bit further on, Jesus is going to go say that people are calling him a friend of sinners. In Luke 7, 34, it says, the son of man came eating and drinking. And you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. People are saying it derisively of Jesus. This dude likes sinners. There's something wrong with him. He doesn't know who he's with. Why isn't he not aligning himself with the good people? Why is he aligning himself with the bad people from human perspective? And Jesus unapologetically does indeed love sinners of which I am one. And Jesus calls sinners to join him. Jesus also calls sinners to obey him. In verses 4 through 8, it says, And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered him, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Jesus tells Simon, he just doesn't say what he taught anyone else. Luke wants to point out this relationship between Jesus and Peter. And he tells him after he's been teaching and he's done, he turns around to Simon and says, Okay, put out into the water and drop your nets again. Well, they've been cleaning their nets at this point. They're, they're done fishing. Their day is done. It's been a bad day. They haven't caught any fish. And Peter doesn't just say, yep, I'll do it. He doesn't know Jesus that well. He starts with a bit of a jab, a bit of a complaint. Like, this isn't going to work. We've been trying it all night. You don't know anything about fishing. You're not a fisherman. You're a teacher. This, I mean, of all the things I'm good at, at least I'm good at fishing. I should be the one telling you when I put out and catch fish. Who are you to tell me to put out and catch fish? But he says, Master, we toiled all night, verse 5, and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. He calls him master. He recognizes his position. Jesus has authority. We saw it last week when he was authority over demons and authority over illness and authority to speak with power and demons would leave just at his word. And he's seen that there's authority. So Simon knows he's the master, just thinks he's going to be wrong. Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. Now, I have to make a comment as a blue-collar guy who did construction for a lot of years. I did construction for a lot of years, and there is a confidence in your construction when you've been doing it a long time. And you know how to do it. You're used to doing it a certain way. You know the, the rhythms. This is not a little thing that he's asking. 
He's asking him to don't do what you've always done and learned is best. Ignore the fact that in the morning that you're not going to catch fish and that you should be getting ready to get some sleep and you, night was going to be the time when the lake was calm and the way that you cash the nets catches the most fish at night and before the dawn. Ignore all that. He begins with master. Why? Because he's beginning to lock in and trust the fact that he needs more than his legs and his wisdom This is a huge step. It's a huge step to lock in and ignore everything you've learned from the beginning of your life. From the beginning of your life, you do not step up to cliffs and lean out over the edge. You do not. And if you're going to go over the edge, get a handhold. Get a foothold. Get something that you can grab onto so that you don't don't lose your traction. I mean, this is common sense. Locking in and leaning back is just stupid unless the ropes will hold you. Unless this actually works. And Jesus is asking him to lock in and trust him. He responds, Peter responds and says, calls him master. Because you've told me to do it, I'll do it. And he goes out and he catches so much fish that the nets were breaking Notice the wording there. The nets were breaking. They didn't break all the way through, but they were falling apart. He had to yell to shore, get another boat out here. We can't draw this all in. And both boats were sinking because of the fish that were filling them. And as I look at that boat that we saw, you know, I think in terms of our boats, you know, they wouldn't get very far offshore. They were afraid to to be in a ship. People died on the lake. They didn't get a a weather report when the storm was coming in. I mean, it was scary to be catch all these fish, but it also was life-changing because this would have affected their finances for months and months to come, if not years. This is a huge catch of fish. Well, they catch the fish and they signal to their partners in verse 7, And the other boat to help them, and they came and filled both boats, so they began to sink. And when Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. What is Simon Peter saying? Is he he saying that um, I'm not worthy of grace? No, that's not what he's saying. Is he saying that What Peter is saying is, I'm a fisherman who's got all kinds of flaws and all kinds of sins, and you got to pick better, Jesus. You You shouldn't be hanging with me. He's actually agreeing with the Pharisees that he has shot too low. There are people that are rabbis that have studied the word God their whole lives. I'm a simple fisherman. Why would you pick me? Don't you know what I've done? Don't you know what I've done? And what I want you to know is that Jesus collected sinners. They they ran to him. They felt comfortable with him. They came to him. And it's not that Jesus didn't care about sin. He expected them to obey. Jesus called sinners to obey. He changed their lives. They were supposed to live righteously. The thing was is that the people who saw themselves as righteous didn't think they had any reason to get on a rope. I'm doing all right on my own legs. 
Thank you very much. And on top of that, how dare you suggest I need this rope as much as Peter? How dare you suggest that I need this rope as much as Matthew, a tax collector? I've spent my whole life trying to be pleasing to God, and you're telling me that I need a Savior. It was offensive. There's something interesting about this particular activity, rock climbing. It's like no other activity. Put the picture up of somebody on the edge. When you're on the edge and you have to lean back, if you don't lean back, it doesn't work. If you put your feet down and try and scramble and try and help, it actually, you get your knees scraped up. I mean, because we would always have somebody on the bottom. We wouldn't let anybody get hurt or fall. But they're going to scrape up their knees. There is a chance for this activity to be just awesome. So you can lock in and you would walk up to it. I'd be standing there and saying, you're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to trust this rope. And you'd lock in. But if I step down and think that I can get footholds, I'm scraping my way down. But if you lean back, then you've got a chance that this is going to be really fun. So as you lean back, you've got to keep your feet planted and just let go. That's the only way it works. If I drop my feet, then I start to fall. But if I trust this, and the problem was, if you have somebody who's athletic, somebody who's like, maybe they've worked out every day of their lives, and they think, well, I should have some sort of credit for that when I'm repelling. Zero credit. You can be overweight and out of shape. It doesn't matter. You just got to trust the rope. And you could have worked out, and you could be a football player or a baseball player. It doesn't matter. But if you trust the rope, you can play. Like you float. And it's easy, and you can flip around. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's like all of a sudden you're weightless. Do you trust the rope? And there are some people that are offended that you would expect that I need the rope just like that tax collector. Jesus wasn't a friend of sinners over anybody else. Jesus was a friend of all the sinners alike. And he did care about how people acted. He did care about your sin. He didn't want, it wasn't like if you cheated on your wife or you cheated on your taxes that all of a sudden you become more lovable to God. When you are seen by other people as unqualified for grace, you're getting closer to knowing you need it. And there are some that think they don't need it. They don't know that they're desperately, you cannot get down the 70-foot cliff. You can't get down that without the rope. And it doesn't matter how much work you've done, you're going to have to lean back. The facts are, so many people never trust. They hear, come to church, they've been hearing it their whole lives. But have you ever leaned back and trusted? And Jesus was called a friend of sinners. Why? Because the sinners kept flocking to him. They loved the message. The message is, before this rope, before salvation, everybody is the same. There's nobody that gets a pass. 
Everybody has to lean back. And everybody needs a savior. And everybody has the same experience if you do lean back. And for some people, it was like, you know, if you just said that you were saved for the people that were really smart or the people that studied their Bibles the most, or maybe I've been to church my whole life, shouldn't this be reserved for the people who went to church every day? And Jesus gave no preferential treatment to anyone, and it offended the would-be righteous. So they called, they said derisively, friend of sinners. And Jesus says, I'll take that. Absolutely, friend of sinners, just like you and me. Just like you and me. When Jesus calls sinners to join him, Jesus calls sinners to obey him. And you'll see our our vision up here that we are about gather and grow. And this is speaking to that. We are to gather together and to gather with Christ. And in community, we are changed. And, And then we are called to grow. Some people have said falsely, Jesus is a friend of sinners. He likes people who fail. You're missing the point. You're missing the point. He doesn't care if I continue to fail. You're still missing the point. Jesus came to save and redeem and restore. He absolutely cares how we live. And he wants us to grow. Right away, he begins to give Peter a command. Well, finally, Jesus calls sinners to lead with him in verses 9 through 11. He says, For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish, that they had taken, and so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. They're mentioned because they're going to become disciples also. But again, Luke is interested in telling us the story of Simon and Jesus here. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, for now you will be catching men. The Greek is basically, now you're going to be catching men alive. You caught fish, and they died. You're going to be catching men and they'll come alive. This is his job, but wait a minute. He just said, I'm not worthy. This is the very beginning of his ministry. Who is called to lead? This is a, I think, an inequity. 70, I don't have an exact percentage, but 70 or 80% of the people that come to church think they're not qualified to be leaders in the church. Do you know who Jesus picked? In Christ, we can lead. In Christ, we can be used for the work that he's doing in each other's lives. He's calling us to lead. He's calling us to, and he picks people like you and me who are unlikely. Are you unlikely to be picked? Jesus was a friend of people like you and me. Maybe you come to church and think, well, I'm not like those elders. Well, why not? Or the staff. I, I let you, I'm an elder and part of the staff. We're not so great. <laughs> we have a great Savior. We have a great Savior. Jesus calls sinners to lead with him, and it is one of the greatest miracles of my life. The miracle first and the greatest is that Jesus would save me. The second is is that he would use someone like me for his ministry, that he would use my words and that he would call me to preach, and I would have never guessed that. In fact, nobody who knew me when I was 14 would have guessed it. Not a one. 
least likely to succeed, certainly least likely to be succeeding in church. But Jesus calls sinners to lead with him, to join him in what he's doing. And Simon, now you will catch man. And it says that they left everything. It says they left everything and followed him. Verse 11, and when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. That they had just had the haul of their lives of fish and they walk away from it. That's bad business. That's not thinking very well about, I mean, Jesus, give me a week. Let's get these fish sold. Let's make some good business. And they landed the boats and left everything. This is what it means to be a disciple. It means to let go of the things that you're clinging to and putting your hope in and trust Jesus with your future. That does not mean all of us quit our jobs tomorrow. It just means that you're willing to follow Jesus wherever he sends you. And you're willing to walk away from anything he asks you to walk away from. Because you're leaning out over the edge. If you go back to when I was 14 years old and I was on that original trip 40 years ago, 41 now. And I'm in Colorado and I'm laying out underneath the stars and I am... I mean, just that summer, I'd been thinking about committing suicide. I, had, I was failing in every possible way from my perspective. And under those stars, I said, Lord, I can't do this anymore. If you want to fix this, fix it. Not a very colorful prayer. Not sound theologically. Didn't say all the things you need to say didn't matter. The next day, the pot that I'd brought on that church retreat was gone. But that wasn't half the miracle because I started telling people that I was going to live for Jesus. It was like it was coming out of me and I didn't know where it was coming from. The senior that I was so interested in pressing, I remember the scene by the river where I found him, he was washing dishes. And I said, I'm going to live for Jesus. And he said, well, I think I can smoke pot and live for Jesus. And I said, okay, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> And that night, I stood up in front of the whole youth group. I, this, is, this is not who I am. I stood up in front of the whole youth group and said I was giving my life to Jesus. Reject me if you want. I'm jumping. I'm leaning. I'm trusting. He absolutely changed my life. And he's still changing it. That picture, put up the picture of Katie again. I want you to know that uh, Katie had walked by. In fact, this was pretty common. We would come down there. Bill Hurley and I would handle the, uh, uh, this particular part of the climb. We loved it. And our job was to encourage kids to trust us and do it for the first time. So you'd have a group of people, adults and kids, that are, you'd see them wander by. And they'd look and they'd be like, oh, no, no, no. And then they'd, you know, you'd give encouraging words. Uh, you'd have to ask Katie, what, who was the one who finally got you to do it? But, um, but we loved to get people 
to trust. So Katie, for four years, walked by not willing to do it. I'm not going over the edge. I'm not, not going to trust. And between me and Bill Hurley, the question wasn't if she trusted the rope, and the question wasn't if she trusts the figure eight or the carabiner that was holding her or the webbing that we put on her, the harness. That wasn't the question. The question is, does she trust us? And as we stood there with her, it was absolutely relational. Look in my eyes. Do you trust me? All right, lean back. And she's not thinking about, I mean, I could tell her the statistics on how much a figure eight can hold. I could tell you this could hold a truck. That didn't, that's not what got her over the edge. It's personal. Why did Peter leave everything? Because he'd been with Jesus. He knew him. He met him. He saw him. And, and to know Jesus is to say, I can never go back to anything less. It's absolutely relational. Does anybody here need to lean back? Is anybody here carrying a weight and they just need to trust? Maybe for the first time. I would love, I would love to hear stories tonight of people who have leaned back and trusted themselves to Christ. I've got good news. He loves you and he can hold you. Whatever it is, he can hold you. Let's pray.